You're listening to a four-part series about the cross taught by Pastor Ryan Couch at Calvary Chapel, Crook County. If you have your Bibles with you, let's join Pastor Ryan now. This morning we want to talk about the resurrection from the cross and talk about the fact that Jesus didn't remain on the cross. If you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the gospel accounts of Jesus' life and you look at the things that Jesus said about himself, you have to be struck, you have to be awed by the things that Jesus said, by the claims that Jesus made. And you don't have to live very long in this life to have heard people make lots of claims. People make claims about what they can do. Maybe you remember in high school or in athletics, people making all kinds of claims about what they could do, and then you would go watch them, and they you know, fell miserably short of those things. Or maybe you grew up with parents who, who made all kinds of claims about what they could do and what they were going to do for you and promises. Maybe you lived in a divorced family like I did where your parents were kind of at odds with each other, trying to compete with each other. And, and maybe your father, like mine did, made all kinds of claims, things he was going to do, things he was going to take you on and trips and vacations and gifts that just never came through. People make all kinds of claims about what they're going to do. And after time, after you grow older, you begin to take on a wait-and-see attitude. You begin to take on this kind of mentality that I will believe it when I see it. Jesus made many claims about himself. He made many claims about what he could do in our life. He said that he was God. Unequivocally made that claim that he was God. He said that he was the only way to heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And sometimes people will, will say these things about Jesus' claims as if they're ambiguous, as if they can be interpreted in many different ways. And yet, how do you interpret that in any other way that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said that he was eternal, that he had no beginning and no ending. In fact, the Pharisees were, were so angered by the statement that he made, they picked up stones to stone him because they knew exactly what he was saying, that he was the Alpha and the Omega, that he was the becoming one, the I Am. He told the most religious people on the earth at the time that they were hypocrites and that apart from the righteousness that he could provide, they were headed for certain destruction. Jesus predicted his own death. And he told his followers that his death would be his glory. C.S. Lewis in his famed book, Mere Christianity, put it best when he said that Jesus cannot be just a great teacher or a good moral model for us to live by. Jesus is either a liar in that he made claims about himself that he knew weren't true or he was a lunatic in that he made claims about himself that he thought were true but he was just living a delusional life or he was as we believe lord he's either a liar a lunatic or lord that's the only options that we have with jesus christ he's not just a good teacher he's not a moral model for us to follow do what you want with jesus but do not put him in the category of a good teacher. It's impossible to do that based on the claims that he made about himself. 
And the claims that Jesus made about himself would be empty. They would be meaningless. They would be pointless if it weren't for the resurrection. We've been talking about the death of Jesus for the last three weeks. We have sung about it this morning. We have a cross back here to represent it. The death of Christ. Jesus' death, however, is only part of the story. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 said that the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We have to understand the entire story. When asked to validate his claims, the claims that he made about himself, when asked to prove that these things were true, Jesus not only referenced his death, but he referenced his resurrection as the reason for why he could make these claims. In fact, in John chapter 2, during the Passover, Jesus entered the temple where they were selling all kinds of things that the people were required to sacrifice. They were exchanging money. It was a a huge money-making operation that the religious leaders had going there as they took advantage of the people. Jesus went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. In righteous anger, Jesus ran all of the animals out. He turned over the, the tables of the money changers who were ripping people off with their terrible exchange rates. Jesus went in and he cleansed the temple. And the religious leaders were obviously upset about that. And they asked him, saying, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? How do you think that you're qualified to do this? And Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. The resurrection is the validation of the claims that Jesus made about himself. The gospel message does not end with the death of Christ. The gospel message does not end with Jesus hanging on a cross or being buried in a tomb to rot. The message of Jesus Christ has no end because he conquered death and the grave when he rose from the dead, leaving the tomb empty. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. You're familiar with the story of the crucifixion. On the day that Jesus was crucified, at nine o'clock or so in the evening, Jesus was taken down from the cross. He was put in a tomb that was purchased by a very wealthy and prominent man, Joseph of Arimathea. His followers thought that it was over. His closest friends had scattered. The religious leaders felt like they had accomplished something. They got rid of this rebel, this man that made blasphemous statements about himself. There was a collective darkness over the land. Jesus was placed in a cave, in a tomb, in a garden. And it says now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. They were going to embalm his body. They were going to prepare it for burial. Their assumption was it's over. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was an amazing man. Jesus set a great example for us, but it's over. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone? Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, 
they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I think if I was this angel, I think I would have laid out, pretended like I was Jesus, you know. (laughs) And then when they came in, just been like, hey, what's going on, you know. (laughs) But this guy wasn't as demented as me. He was sitting there. I'm sure that was alarming too, though, as we see in the text. They weren't expecting that. You can imagine if you went to a funeral and you walked in and it was a graveside open casket and you walked up to the casket and there is your loved one, there is your friend sitting upright, you know, or someone else sitting in the casket. It's like, hey, he's not here. He said to them as they're shocked and they're in awe, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Skeptics have said, well, yeah, but these are the followers of Jesus. I mean, they wanted to cover for him. They wrote that he rose from the dead, but that wasn't true. Well, the gospel of Mark was written within 30 years of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which means that there were myriads of people who were alive at this time when the gospel of Mark was written, who would have been alive at the time of Christ. So how easy would it have been for them to discount these claims? Would have been very easy. Think about 30 years ago for some of you that are maybe in your 40s or 50s or beyond. Think about something that happened 30 years ago or something that didn't happen 30 years ago. It would be very easy for you to say that never happened or yes, that did happen. And so Here is the truth of the gospel message. Here is the hope that we have. Three simple words. He is risen. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? He's not here anymore. He has resurrected bodily, physically. I think for many of us, we understand the, the cross. We understand what Jesus did on the cross. But we aren't living as Paul would say, in the power of the resurrection. We're living as if Jesus is still in the tomb. We're living with the guilt of our sin. We're living under the defeat of our sin. Maybe you're continuing to struggle with things from your past. Maybe you're weighed down with the guilt of your past. Maybe you're allowing things that have happened to you to ruin your life. Maybe you're allowing things that you've done to ruin your life. Maybe you're continuing in things that Jesus has freed you from or wants to free you from. As we saw in the drama, Jesus took all of the sin and all of our shame and our guilt upon himself. But it was through the resurrection that he validated that it has application for us and that it's true for us. And so many of us, Many of us are, are still living in the tomb. We're asking the question, who will roll away the stone? How do I free myself from these things? How do I live this new life that Jesus has promised? And it comes through understanding and appropriating the resurrection in your own life. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He's no longer on the cross. He rose from the dead to give us hope beyond our sin, beyond our shame, beyond our guilt. We don't need to live under that anymore. We don't need to live in fear of death. 
We don't need to live as if this is the only life that we have. The power of the resurrection, you guys, starts today. Eternal life starts now. We have that hope. We have that promise of new life today. We can live in the resurrected life today. And I'm convinced that many of us are not living in the power of the resurrection. We're not appropriating the, the fact that the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. And yet we say, I can't have victory in this area of my life. I can't forgive that person. I can't get over this struggle that I have. I can't forgive that person. I can't forgive myself for what I did. I, I can't do any number of things that maybe you've said to yourself, I can't do or I won't do. What we have to do is to be real honest with ourselves and to begin to say, it isn't that I can't or that the power isn't available, it's that I don't want to. The power is there. He's risen. What are you looking for? What are you waiting for? You're not going to find it anywhere else. There's no magic formula. There's no book. There's no seminar. It's in Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him raised from the dead. And until we allow that message to penetrate our heart and to change our life, we will continue to look in vain and to seek in vain, whether it be to find peace, to find happiness, and to find fulfillment, or maybe you're just trying so desperately to get rid of the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. You're over looking for a good time. You're over thinking that money's going to make you happy. Maybe you've heard that message before and you think, you know what, that's not even true of me. Well, the truth is that you won't find freedom from the guilt and the shame and the condemnation apart from Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him resurrected. He is risen. He's not here. But go, verse 7, tell His disciples and Peter that He's going before you into Galilee. There you will see Him as He said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That phrase, but go, tell his disciples, and Peter is filled with hope for you. Because Peter was the one that turned his back on Jesus and denied him three times and stabbed him in the back, his closest friend. If anybody was going to be beyond the touch and the reach of Jesus... It would have been Peter. Peter was with Jesus for all that time. He had heard him make these claims. He had seen him work all these miracles. And yet when it came time to step up, Peter blew it. He denied him. I don't know the man. And yet here, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth after his resurrection were words of restoration. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Do you think that word, that phrase, and Peter, is there by accident? Absolutely not. Specifically, Jesus wanted Peter to know that he had forgiven him and that he wanted to restore him. Are you beyond the forgiveness and the restoration of our God? Absolutely not. I don't care if you're a teenager here this morning. I don't care if you're a senior citizen here this morning. You need Jesus. You need the power of the resurrection to be appropriated into your life. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. He met this woman, this woman who he had touched, who he had restored, 
This woman who had messed up her life seemingly beyond repair. And yet Jesus had ministered to her in a powerful way. And now he's meeting her to show her, look, what I did in your life was real. It was true. It wasn't a figment of your imagination. I wasn't just a good teacher. I didn't just set you on the right path. I've got so much for you, Mary. And here's proof. You saw me beaten. You saw me hanging on the cross. And now here I am standing before you alive. I've conquered the grave. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So she went and found his followers, the disciples and others. They're mourning, they're weeping. And she told them, I just talked with Jesus. He's alive. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. Jesus had told his disciples, he had told his followers time and again, I will be crucified, but after three days, I will rise from the dead. But they would never hear that. All they would hear is, I will be crucified, and they would just shut off their ears. No, Jesus, that will never happen to you. We've got our agenda for you. We've got our plan. We know what we want you to do. There's important things politically for you to be a part of. You can't die. This must not be God's will. Who are they talking to? God himself. And yet they're trying to convince him that the very thing he came to do wasn't the best. And Jesus knew better. And here again, they're hearing the message of the resurrection. They heard it from Mary Magdalene. They didn't believe her. Mary, you must be on some kind of drugs. I don't know what you went and smoked this morning. I don't blame you. We're all bummed here. Okay? But let's be real. These two guys, they're walking. Luke 24 records it. It's an amazing story. They went and told them, we just walked with Jesus. He took us all the way through the scriptures. He gave us the most amazing Bible study you could ever imagine. But they didn't believe them either. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Do you believe this morning? Maybe you've been coming to Easter services Year after year after year. Maybe you were invited here this morning because somebody you know is in the play or because you heard we had a cool new building. Maybe you've heard this story many times. You've heard this message. Do you believe? Maybe you're a believer here this morning. I know many of you. Maybe you're a core part of this church. Maybe you're in leadership in this church, but you're not living in the power of the resurrection Jesus wants you to experience. Wherever you're at this morning, this message has application for you. This isn't just for the people that come once in a while. It's not how we roll here. It's application for all of us, including myself. The resurrection has daily application for us. As Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? That means his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation a new creation see we took this building and we gutted it and we remodeled it remodeled projects are always more difficult but you know what god didn't remodel your life or god isn't in the business of remodeling your life it's not what he wants to do he doesn't want to take your old broken down life and try to fix it up and then take you to car shows and show you off it's not what he wants to do he wants to completely put your old life to death Romans chapter 6, 
We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. But now, now we celebrate newness of life. We've been resurrected with Christ. Have you? And if you have, are you living in that truth? Are you living in the power of the resurrection? Are you living in newness of life as a new creation? We're a new creation. Paul goes on to say, old things have passed away. It's gone. Why are we still living in it though? Why are we living in the tomb? Wandering around. Oh man, this life's so hard. It's so terrible. It's so difficult. And Jesus is like, look, you're in the wrong place. The stone has been rolled away. I'm gone. Why aren't you? Old things have passed away. Behold, behold, behold. All things have become new. Is that true for you? Jesus wants it to be. Jesus came. He humbly took on human flesh. The God of the universe became a man. He walked this earth in anonymity for 30 years. He gathered a group of men to follow him. For three years, Jesus poured into these men's lives. For three years, Jesus healed people. He ministered to people like Mary Magdalene. He blessed people. He fed people. And then Jesus, because of the claims that he made about himself, claims that were true, he was arrested, he was beaten, he was crucified, he was hung on a cross, he was taken down from the cross, he was put in a tomb to rot, and yet he didn't. The stone was rolled away. Jesus is resurrected. And do you believe that? That's the question today. That's the most important question that you'll ever ask yourself. Do I believe this? And I encourage you, do not leave here this morning without asking, do I believe this? And making sure that you implement it into your life. If you're a believer here this morning, do not leave here without saying, am I living in the resurrected life? Am I living in newness of life? We're going to have some people here to pray with you. And man, wherever you're at, wherever you're at, if you're struggling to live in the power of the resurrection, we want to minister to you. We want to pray with you. We want to come alongside you and bring you to the resurrected Christ. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to close with a song. I pray that you've been blessed this morning. I pray, that, I pray that God has spoken to your heart. I hope that many of you that are visiting this morning, if you live here in Prineville or don't have a church home, that you would come and continue to worship with us. As I said, we'll have people here to pray with you. Take advantage of that. Why don't we stand together? You've been listening to Pastor Ryan Couch of Calvary Chapel, Crook County. For more information, you can write to us at P.O. Box 378, Prineville, Oregon 97754. Thanks for listening, and God bless.